So, today's Spirit Flicks movie, Avengers Endgame, is, depending on how you count, the second half of the story that was started in Avengers Affinity, Infinity War, or it was the culminating three hours of an epic 48-hour-long 22-movie saga that started in 2008. Either way you count, 11 years over 20 major characters and $20 billion in box office revenue and counting, here we are. So to recap what happened in Infinity War, our superheroes lose at the end. Thanos, the bad guy, snaps his fingers, resulting in half the universe's population crumbling to dust. Our heroes are not immune to the snap. In fact, just about half the major characters disappear at the end of the movie. And those remaining are left to pick up the pieces. They have to deal with their uncertainty and trauma and grief and loss. The movie stuck with me. I preached about it last summer, and I found myself thinking about it ever since. So it is very safe to say that I had huge expectations for this film. In fact, I articulated them at the end of my Infinity War sermon, in which I said, I hope our remaining heroes will move beyond their pride and egos and their desire to be right and to win and to immediately fix things. I hope their response to the events of Infinity War will rise above matching violence with violence. I said, I hope instead of pointing fingers at each other and assigning blame for their failed attempt to thwart Thanos, they will make room for not knowing and come together in their uncertainty. I hope that things don't go back to exactly the way they were before. I hope that even if the results are not permanent, these traumatic events forever change the characters and the worlds they inhabit, maybe even for the better. And I concluded, I hope that, like any good myth, the conclusion of this story will offer us an aspirational view of how to live in our complex, stressful, volatile, anxious, modern world. I hope it models for us how to make room for not knowing and everything it holds, for grief and joy, for unkindness and grace, for suffering and compassion. So that's what I wanted from this movie. And it's not too much to ask, right? <laughs> and I'm very pleased to say that I was not disappointed. Now, how many people have actually seen the movie? Okay, so for those of you that haven't, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but even though I am, it's still worth seeing. The primary thing that struck me about Endgame was its tone. The main part of the movie is set five years after the events of Infinity War. It lingers in the aftermath of that snap, examining what daily life is like for those who survive. It really sits with the question, what would the implications of this large-scale tragedy be on a human scale? Our surviving heroes have varied responses in adjusting to a post-snap world. Some are suffering. One is obsessively trying to hold the Avengers team together as they drift apart, their relationships strained by grief and guilt. 
One becomes a vigilante, going after the people he thinks didn't deserve to survive the snap. We find one participating in a survivor support group, trying somewhat half-heartedly to move on. True to the range of human experience, though, several characters have also experienced positive growth and change in the five years since the events of Infinity War. One is this, right? Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk. Now, he has struggled in integrating his two identities <laughs> over the whole arc of this 22-film saga. Sometimes Hulk comes out when he shouldn't. Sometimes he doesn't come out when Bruce really wants him to. Um, and they are very different personalities from each other. But as this next slide shows, in this film, he's managed to combine the brains and the brawn, as he says, into a coherent whole. This theme of identity is also central to another character's story, this one, Thor. Now, Thor is struggling to adapt to the post-snap world. He has, frankly, one of the roughest arcs in this 22-movie cycle. Um, let's see, he's lost an eye, he's lost his family, he's lost his throne, and he's lost his planet, to name just a few. <laughs> Um, and most of all, he's really struggling with the fact that of all of our Avengers, he was the one that had the real opportunity to stop Thanos at the end of Infinity War. He came this close, but he still failed. He eventually receives this advice. Everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. The measure of a person of a hero as how well they succeed at being who they are. Everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. The measure of a person is how well they succeed at being who they are. When I heard this line, I realized the potential of this movie was being fulfilled. And it brought to mind the poem, Ask Me, by William Stafford that begins the Parker Palmer reading we use in our signature small group, Wellsprings 2.0, also known as Listening to Our Lives. If you've participated in 2.0, you might remember it. And if you haven't had the opportunity to participate, I highly recommend it. The poem goes like this. Sometime when the river is ice, ask me mistakes I have made. Ask me whether what I have done is my life. Others have come in their slow way into my thought, and some have tried to help or to hurt. Ask me what difference their strongest love or hate has made. I will listen to what you say. You and I can turn and look at the silent river and wait. We know the current is there, hidden, and there are comings and goings from miles away that hold the stillness exactly before us. What the river says, that is what I say. The question that both Hulk and Thor are dealing with is the central question we explore in Wellsprings 2.0. Am I living the life that wants to live within me? Now, in Hulk's case, it's not even metaphorical. He literally has another life that wants to live within him. But Thor's struggle is more subtle. It's clear he's dealing with multiple traumas in addition to the snap. 
and that they have also had a profound negative impact on him. It also rings true that the god of thunder probably hasn't had much practice in emotional maturity and resilience. Now, there has been criticism of Endgame for its treatment of mental illness, obesity, and substance use in Thor's story, and I think fairly so. It's mostly played for laughs and mostly cheap ones. That said, though, Thor's journey to self-acceptance adds a nuanced emotional layer to the story because it's a struggle that's recognizable. You may be familiar with this person, with Dan Gottlieb, He's a prominent therapist and author who lives and works near Philadelphia and for many years hosted a show called Voices in the Family on WHYY. He was paralyzed in a car accident over 30 years ago. It was truly a freak accident. He was traveling westbound on the Pennsylvania Turnpike near Ephrata when a tractor trailer traveling eastbound lost a wheel which bounced across the turnpike and crushed his car. He says... The last thing I remember is a big black thing in the sky. He continues, I think though all of us have been hit by a big black thing coming out of the sky. It's a lump. It's a doctor saying, I think it's malignant. It's a spouse saying, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. I'm no different than anyone else in that regard, he says. The time following the accident was very difficult for Dr. Gottlieb. He wasn't sure that he wanted to continue to live with his new reality of being a quadriplegic. And as he tells it, it didn't happen immediately. But gradually, over a period of years, he came to recognize that, as he says, when my neck broke, my soul began to breathe. He continues... Most people I know spend their lives trying to be the person they think they should be and never get to discover who they are. And that's the gift. The fact that I can't run away from my demons, literally. I have to sit with them. I thought I had to be the kind of man I was supposed to be. And when I broke my neck, that was gone. I had to be the kind of man I was. Everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. The measure of a person is how well they succeed at being who they are. Now, I recognize this tendency of trying to be who I should be in my own life, my own job, my own relationships, in my roles here at Wellsprings. Does it resonate with you? I also recognize this tendency in the life of our congregation. As many of you know, I have the honor of being president of our board, which hosted our annual congregational meeting last week. Like any annual milestone, preparing for that meeting gave me the opportunity to reflect not just on the past year, but all the years before it, and for me, it's been 13. I recently looked back at the original new church plan that was created for us by the new congregation task force of the Philadelphia Wilmington Metro Plan in 2004. I know an exciting read, let me tell you. Now, this was before Reverend Ken was hired and before the planning team that started the congregation was assembled. Now, I am very grateful for the work of this visionary team in laying the groundwork for our congregation's success. 
And these words really jumped out at me. After an organizational period of approximately one year, during which interested participants will be gathered, the founding membership will consist of a minimum of 300 people. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, that's definitely not the way it happened. We started out small, and, and we have about 270 members today. Now, and as many times as I have looked at that document in the intervening years, this is the first time I've picked, out, I've picked up on that fundamental should that we have, I think, whether consciously or not, been judging ourselves against all this time. Another thing we thought we should be when we first started was something called seeker-sensitive. Sensitive, that is, to the needs of those who are not currently affiliated with the church, but who are looking for something spiritual, and are skeptical about organized religion. Seeker sensitivity was a hot trend in church life back then, particularly for evangelical churches, and we unabashedly borrowed tactics from those who had founded the megachurches of the 80s and 90s. There are many things this movement got right. Many of the things that make us Wellsprings are straight from this playbook. Contemporary music, casual atmosphere where you can come as you are, projected lyrics rather than hymnals, freely available coffee, and a song block at the beginning so you can come in late if you want to. <laughs> that has all worked very well for us. There was a shadow side, though, at least in how we interpreted seeker sensitivity for us. We decided to not ask for money for Wellsprings in our services for fear that it would turn people away. As you may remember, if you've been here a while, that lasted for years. We eventually realized it wasn't working and evolved. But it's been a slow process to develop our stewardship muscles. And now, with the benefit of hindsight, the kind of seeker sensitivity that doesn't ask anything of our congregants strikes me as paternalistic and really inconsistent with our congregational beliefs and commitments. It's another case of who we should be, not jiving with who we are. So although it, it's not officially on the list of congregational goals that I put up on the PowerPoint last week, an unofficial one for me, for the congregation, is to let Wellsprings be what it is, rather than what I or anyone else thinks it should be, and especially what someone thought it should be 15 years ago. And yes, back to the movie. Endgame is deep. Lest I give you the wrong impression here, though, it doesn't stay mired in post-apocalyptic trauma forever. Hopefully it's not a surprise. They do find a way to undo that snap. There are fun things, several time travel adventures featuring, featuring fan-favorite scenes and characters from many of the prior films. It's a teamwork movie. All the remaining Avengers have to pitch in with all their different strengths and weaknesses. It's much funnier than I've made it sound here today. And it is deeply satisfying, especially if, you, if you've invested in watching many of the prior movies. There's another pivotal moment in this movie that deeply resonated with me. When the Avengers finally have the power to reverse the snap, they decide not to undo the last five years, but bring everyone back as of that moment, right then, five years later, changing nothing else. 
In the same way that Dr. Gottlieb sees aspects of his accident as a gift, the Avengers choose to honor the wholeness of their experience, allowing everything they have known, the grief and the joy, the unkindness and the grace, the suffering and the compassion to stand, just as I had hoped for them, just as I hoped for us all. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. God of life and love, may we know wholeness. May we live the life that wants to live within us. May we come to learn to be who we are. And when big black things fall upon us, literally or figuratively, may we find our way to whatever gifts they may offer. May we support each other in this journey. For this prayer and all the unspoken prayers on the hearts of those gathered here this morning, we say amen.